0: Two, two pitch. Swing Deep
2: left. Hey everybody, JJ Cooper, Jeff Ponce here, Baseball America Playoff Podcast. We had two games yesterday. We had two good games yesterday, especially the early game yesterday between the Padres and the Phillies. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to look ahead to see what we think may happen in the rest of these LCS, but Jeff, We had two good games yesterday, but man, that that first game, to see kind of the weirdness that started that game where the sun was a real and true factor in the first inning, but then to see the Padres come back at home and really turn this into a series. Because obviously, if the Phillies, who jumped out early, hold on to that lead and head back to Philly up 2-0, probably liking their chances. But now we we head to Philly and it's 1-1. Very different scenario. What stood out from that game? And good to see
3: you. Good to see you as well, JJ. Uh, mixing it up a little bit, you know, giving Kyle a little bit of rest after he's been uh, diligently going back and forth from the park. I'm sure he's been enjoying that himself, though. So. I'm sure it doesn't feel like work. I know uh, he's certainly enjoying this Padres run. But, you know, for me in this this Phillies-Padres game, you take a look at it, it said Philly, you know, goes up, um, you know, 4 nothing top of the second san diego does battle back it's 4-2 but it just felt like at that point it's like oh no four run inning right at the beginning of the game we know this philly offense they're so well balanced from top to bottom with the ability to really produce a lot of runs we'll talk about that on the other side in a little bit but um i I was at at first i was a little you know a little nervous that oh no this is going to be a blowout we're going to have another one of these games um but you know to his credit um Snell settled down outside of that one inning and, you know, gave them five solid innings. And uh, that was enough for, um, you know, the Padres in the bottom of the fifth to to come up and, and really get to Aaron Nola. And um, they did it in uh, true cinematic fashion with his brother Austin Nola sort of being the one that got the rally going that, you know, drives in the first run in what turned out to be. A five-run inning uh, that also included a big double down the line by Juan I, Soto. A beautiful swing where he kept his, his hands right in, pulled it uh, right down the right field line. Um, kind of showed exactly why he's Juan Soto. But you were going to say,
2: Jake? I, I got. I'm going to interject because we going to ask you a question. Because sure. you 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 have you have three kids. I have two. I'm trying to envision a scenario like you as you saw the Nola parents there, and you have one of your sons get the big hit off of your other son, I can't even like that to, to the, the, the range of emotions that must be going on right there. Like, can you imagine it? I I'm trying to fathom what that would be like. It's like, this is great and terrible. Like that's a <laughs> no win situation. Isn't it as a parent?
3: I think you just got, I think they just had, it was funny because uh, Austin got the hit and they didn't do anything. And I was kind of like, you should probably cheer that on. (laughs) But I get it was off of Aaron, but like the moment for him to get that big hit was huge. So I was like, I don't know. (laughs) It was funny. I, I, you know, I can recall this um, with the McCordys as a Patriot fan, because uh, at that time, both brothers, I think, played for different teams. And I remember like the dad showing up with like a half Patriots jersey. I think it was maybe like a half Titans jersey or something like that. You got to do that. And I think you just got to have a sense of humor about it because uh, you won. I mean, no, nobody can challenge uh, your gene pool when you produce uh, <laughs> two everyday major leaguers, one, one of the best pitchers in baseball, and uh, they're both in the LCS. I think it's just yay gene pool, you know. I I, I, I would maybe have a T-shirt that says, like, I produce major leaguers.
2: <laughs> Big, <laughs> and, biggest Biggest hit by a sibling? off of a sibling since uh kit off of Dottie and league of their own Uh, i'm now mixing you know between uh, between reality and uh movies but like that (laughs) it does not happen it is not something that happens very often where you can come up with an example you know of of a uh uh, of a sibling getting a hit off of their Mm. sibling but that's the only that's the only one that really comes to mind i know we had you know Ken and George Brett but I don't remember them ever facing off in some kind of incredibly tense situation and no. that was kind of a little bit before my time um but you know but yeah it so but that inning that got away from the Phillies to to jump it back to reality right. that got away so you got the Soto hit and Brad Hand comes in to replace Nola and it did not go well for the Phillies at that point. Obviously, with uh, with two other trade acquisitions, Josh Bell and Brandon Drury, both coming up with big hits, and I, I've been I've been impressed that the bullpens, besides Hand, then kind of settled down, and it ended up being a uh, uh, I thought at that point that we might be in for a, a high scoring rumble because Stell and Nola both got hit up, but the, the bullpens kind of settled down.
3: Yeah, um, you know, it, it was funny. It's sometimes I feel in the playoffs, um, some of the sort of uh situational matchups that are decided on handedness, um, no pun intended. I I, I sometimes feel like they're forced. Um, Nola was really a couple of pitches uh from away from getting out of that inning unscathed. Um, and he had just struck out Manny Machado um, on a great breaking ball uh, right at the end of the, you know, excuse me, with in his final at bat um, in a big pressure situation. You know, I would have let him pitch to Cronenworth. I think he still was your best option at that point. He's your ace. It's one out. Have him get out of the fifth. Um, and I just trust him a lot more than Brad Hand. Uh, even, you know, when he was struggling a little bit. You know, it wasn't like he was giving up massive bombs or just a lot of good hitting that happened in that inning. Um, I didn't love the decision. I understand why they made the move. Um, you know, they've, they've certainly, Thompson has certainly been incredible uh, in terms of how he's managed this team over the first few rounds, so I don't want to be overly critical. But I still, you know, the, the decision just, you know, on, on on feel alone didn't didn't feel great for me. And I think in a lot of these playoff games you do, maybe have to sometimes sort of go against the numbers and, and what they're telling you and kind of feel what's well, going on in the game a little bit. And I, I honestly felt like, no, if if I had the choice, I felt like Nola was the guy that was more likely to get the out in that situation, you know, pitching a little angry, doesn't want to let anybody else score, you know, and then, and then they couldn't stop the bleeding after that, you know?
2: Well, and that's something also that stood out is, is that I do actually, I know there's a lot of people who don't like change, and when rules change. But one of the things I like about the three minimum is it makes these actually, to me more difficult decisions. Like if you're playing for a matchup, but but we saw it in the game also where Tyone came out and uh, they, they made a point of not doing the intentional walk until after Tyone came out so that they would then say, okay, so one batter down, only two batters for the reliever before we can go to the pen. I do see like, aspects of where it is changing kind of strategy a little bit again in a useful way and i think we saw that with but with hand it was something where i you're if you're saying i'm going to play platoon matchup nowadays with going to the pen unless a team has made it easy for you by setting up three batters in a row you don't necessarily you're not getting as much of an advantage as maybe you did Back when it was okay, we're going to bring in this guy for the face this guy, and then he's out of there. We saw that again yesterday. I agree with you, Nola, because partly because of that, partly because of the fact that it wasn't that you were bringing a hand to face a batter, you were bringing in hand to face three. Uh, I felt like it. It kind of changes the equation a little bit. Um, looking ahead, this series is split now, and we have you know a lot of games to go still. Who do you think has the advantage? Having now watched these first two, who do you think has the advantage as we head to Philly?
3: Ooh. Um, you know, I I still think... Uh, I think it's probably pretty even in terms of momentum at this point. Um, this is... You know, the, the Padres needed this game, obviously. Um, you know, Philly needed to take at least one... Um, in San Diego before they head back to Philadelphia. Um, you know, I think that environment wise, obviously, uh, Philly and Philly's fans can offer, uh, as, as much of, uh, a difficult environment as any place in baseball. Um, you know, you would like to have gotten a better start out of NOLA. That being said, uh, Ranger Suarez has been, you know, pretty solid, um, throughout the season and and throughout these playoffs. So, uh, you know, be, will be sort of interesting. I I, I assume he's, he's listed uh, now. Yeah. As it's Suarez the, versus, it's, Musgrove. versus Musgrove. You know, um, Musgrove has been great throughout these playoffs. Of course he's pitched, you know, big spots, big moments, etc. cetera. Um, you probably give them the pitching advantage there, but I think going back to Philly playing at home, getting that first LCS game in quite a while in front of the Philly fans, I think there might be some momentum going in there as well. Uh, I still like Philadelphia. I still think that their lineup, top to bottom, is just so good. They grind out at bats. Um, they have a bunch of guys that can that can kill you with one swing, um, but also really make pitchers work to get outs. And uh, I just like the offensive advantage a little bit more um, with Philly over the Padres, and and ultimately, I I've picked against Philly too many times this this playoffs. So I'm not doing it again.
2: <laughs> I, I'm going to go, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Padres. I, I do think that especially like I'm probably, I'm overemphasizing, but I do think the pitching like Musgrove to me, Musgrove gives San Diego kind of a a little bit of extra pitching depth, starting pitching depth in this series. I think the bullpens, I, I still think the Padres' bullpen is better than the... With the return of Hader to being Josh Hader, the Padres' bullpen is better than the Phillies, and I just think the starting pitching. But I also think it's going to be very close. I, I agree with you completely on that. We're going to jump over to the Astros versus the Yankees. But before that, we have a quick break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And we're back. So in our nightcap yesterday, we get the Astros taking the game one against the Yankees. The slightly jet lag, maybe a little strong because it was one time zone, but the probably relatively tired Yankees who did have to travel go straight from congratulations. You won your division series. Let's hop on the plane, and by the way, you're playing the next day. Not that this is unusual if you are a major league baseball player. I don't want to make this sound like that this is something that has never happened where a major league player has had to play a game a day after travel because it's very much a not an unusual part of their life. But um, four two Astros win. Jeff, the thing that just stood out to me in this game, and partly this may be because it was Jameson Tyone versus Justin Verlander, but. If the rest of the series goes this way, I know the Yankees have power, but if the Astros are going to strike out 17 and the Yankees are going to strike out two, I don't like the Yankees chances. Is that fair?
3: Yeah. I'm going to say that that's uh, probably the case. And um, you know, I just think, I just think this is the most complete, the the Astros, uh, I mean, or the, the most complete team, uh, in this playoffs. And I, I even think, you know, there's elements of just their makeup and personality that are perfect for another deep playoff run. Um, you know, when you've dealt with as much hate and you've been through as many big situations as they have, they're not flustered, you know, um, and having sort of that killer instinct, I think it's just such an edge for them. And then you factor in the, that it's very difficult to win close lower scoring games against the Astros because of the quality of their bullpen, the amount of the type of stuff you see coming out of their bullpen. Um, Plus their starting pitching is tremendous. And even if you got to the starting pitching and they get to your starting pitching, you then have to worry about this whole ability to provide length at the back end of a game, which we saw in the 17, uh, excuse me, the 18 inning game where their bullpen only tipped really through five innings. Of those 18 innings. It was mostly starters, you know, between Hunter Brown, we threw a couple McCullers and uh Louis Garcia. So it's just they're such a difficult team to beat, and they can win such a variety of games. It's one of the reasons that I just thought the Yankees were cooked coming into the series, just simply because they had such an emotional series. They had to put so much out there. You know, the 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 way the schedule sort of fell, uh, and the fact that the Astros swept and were able to run out Verlander on seven days rest. They have Framber today on seven days rest and go right through. So when you're getting full rest and you have that amount of depth, it's just a really you know difficult um, hump to sort of climb over if you're the Yankees. Now, how do the Yankees win, in my opinion? They have to jump on the Astros starting pitching early and often. You know, They need to have a four or five run inning early in a game, I think, you know, to sort of build some time and 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 force the Astros to actually have to score five, six, seven runs to come back, which we've also seen them win games like that. Um, so it's it's really interesting how this series breaks down because the Yankees are a great team. Um, but I just don't know how well they they honestly match up against the Astros in terms of how this team is built. It's really built for the playoffs.
2: But the other thing that stood out with me on that is okay, going beyond just strikeouts, the Yankees had 27 whiffs in game one. The Astros had 10. And I bring that up partly because I felt like the Mariners were able to get the Astros out of their comfort zone at the plate. Jose Altuve in that 18 inning game was not comfortable, but but they were able to throw a cavalcade of arms at the Astros and kind of get them a little bit outside of their comfort zone. I did not see that in game one. I saw hitters who were taking very comfortable swings, who seemed to have game plans, who seemed to have an understanding of what they needed to do. The Gurriel homer to me is maybe like an an illustration of why the Astros are so good at what they do. High Like he, that level swing, the Astros I think do as well, a good a job as anybody. They're kind of adjusting to sinkers now. Like we've seen, the trend is starting to go. It it baseball is cyclical, and if we've been living in a world of the the lively fastball at the top of the zone, the Astros are one of the teams who I think does a has trained very well to learn how to hit that pitch. And some of that almost basically consists of retraining your brain to swing a little higher than where you think you should. But you've seen this with them; they're putting a good at-bats against high fastballs. It, you just saw a, a lot of really good at-bats. Jeremy Pena had good at-bats. Yuli Gurriel, uh, it, the depth of their lineup, as you said, Jazz McCormick you know, getting a homer in that game. I, I do kind of agree with you that this this is the series. Padres, Phillies, I'm back and forth. Right now, I do think kudos to the Yankees to getting here. I just feel like the Astros are just a better team. But the other thing I did want to touch on from that game is we saw Justin Verlander become the all-time uh, leader in strikeouts in the postseason. Now, as this true with basically any postseason stat, we have to acknowledge that, yes, the, 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 the world has changed when it comes to how many games you get to play. It's not possible for anyone to win, you know, to have a, almost to have a postseason record. From before 1969 and the late arrival of the LCS, even if you were a Yankee, because there's just so many fewer games than there are now. But that being said, I do feel like that it sometimes gets overlooked with some of these players just how much impact they made in the postseason. Justin Verlander is now 15 and 11 with a 3.55 ERA in 33 games, 32 starts at 197 and two thirds postseason innings that's a season i mean that's a that's really by modern standards it's a season and a third for most starting pitchers but by any imagination it's a season of additional starts in the postseason and he's been very good at them against the top competition i just it doesn't really mean a whole it doesn't matter if you're justin verlander from the standpoint of i don't feel like that anyone is going to go hey it's justin verlander a hall of famer Oh, this is the thing that puts him over the edge. He was already over the edge before you add in the postseason stats. But I do think it is something remarkable to point out that we have a pitcher here still pitching at the top of his game at an age where I, most pitchers are are long done. I, I kind of, I kind of think of Nolan Ryan when I'm watching him from the standpoint. Not that he is the same pitcher. He's actually hold your ears, Nolan Ryan fans. He's actually like, he's not as hard a thrower. He's not as dominant at his best, but he is a better pitcher than Nolan Ryan was from the standpoint of his controls much better. He's more consistent, all that. But what I mean by that is, is that Justin Verlander is 39 on his way to 40 and he's still a power pitcher. And most pitchers at that age, if they still have success, have had to figure out how to do something differently. But that was just fun to watch to me last night, Jeff, just watching Verlander again in what he does so well.
3: Yeah. Um, you know, I think just watching, you know, excellent pitching in general uh, in the playoffs is always great. Verlander obviously was, was on top of his game and uh, no, he didn't go that deep, but um, Jamison tie on fairly well early on in that game to, to keep it close. Um, and actually, I think he actually had the lead at one point. So there you go. But um, yeah, I thought, you know, it, it, these pitching matchups, particularly yesterday, I was excited to get to see Verlander, you got to see Snell, you got to see Nola um, across the two games. So, you know, not too bad. And then, you know, we come back tonight with, uh, or, yeah, tonight with uh, another decent pitching matchup with Framber Valdez, who I think is incredibly underrated uh, among, you know, the best pitchers in the game, just in terms of what he can do from start to start go deep into games he's efficient he can get outs in a variety of ways and really just you know keeps so much um contact in the ground which is obviously a really important element when you're facing a team like the Yankees who can do a lot of damage with one swing and really turn a game around he's mm-hmm. able to control and manage contact and you know let the guys behind him make outs um which they've been really good as well i mean i think that's one of the things that stuck out to me as well but uh, about the Astros is just how well they've played uh, in the infield. Um, And then even Severino, who I know has, you know, dealt with some injuries, but when this guy was on, I mean, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball and, and he's capable of, you know, potentially reaching those heights again in a big moment. So I'm really excited about, about uh, you know, the pitching matchup today and just in general um, I think we've been blessed with uh, some really solid staffs between the two series here.
2: We got one game uh, coming up, as he said, as Jeff said tonight, Severino versus Framber. We'll be here again tomorrow to analyze it. and, And basically, we've got, again, this is one of the best months of the year. We get playoff baseball for now, at least still every day when we get to the World Series. I love the World Series, but there is the disappointment of you have off days at that point. But a cavalcade of baseball. We'll be talking about it. For Jeff, I'm JJ.
0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check.